0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Today with me, we have Aaron DeBawas, that is the founder and CEO of Spodder. Um, If you're new to this podcast, uh, we cover influencer marketing and the creator economy every single Wednesday. So do not forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify and YouTube. Enjoy the show. Hey Aaron, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm um, great. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm very excited about this, uh, you know, conversation today. I know that you will share a lot of very, you know, uh, fantastic information about not just the topic, like you know, uh, the content creators and creator economy and so on. But uh, we, we, I know that we can go more in details about you know what is happening and what was happening before and the future, right, of the industry. I'm pretty sure that uh, you will. Sure, with uh, you know uh, a lot with us but uh, before we get started usually I ask uh, a bit more about you right so we who is Aaron first of all a bit more about your background and then we can go in what is Potter and why did you created it
1: yeah so um, I grew up in New York um, I uh, grew up outside the city um, went to a very small school called Williams College um, in Massachusetts and from there with a liberal arts b- background. Um, I was very fascinated in figuring out kind of finance, um, but also was very entrepreneurial. So I thought I would start my career, um, at, at JP Morgan, um, as an investment banker to get that kind of foundational knowledge, um, around finance. And then I found a division at JP Morgan that was focused on film, music, and television financing. So it was kind of a banker job, which is not the most exciting thing in the world, but with a really exciting subject that got me, you know, not only can we figure out how does this thing, like a movie, how can we use data to determine the value of those, that kind of uh, asset, I guess. Right. And then actually go after you finance it, go out and see it and go to the premiere. And it just, it just felt like we were involved in making something really special. Um, And so I spent years at JP Morgan doing that. Um, and then I left to go start my own company. Um, the first thing I did was i I really uh, I founded a directed DVD label, which at the time was 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 a big thing, um and made three action sports documentaries myself as a producer, um which I thought was just like one of these things where I wanted to gain empathy for the creators, right um, and understand their process and see how hard that was. Um, And for me, that was was a great experience, although it was so difficult that I thought, hey, I got to try to figure out a way to to uh, do something that's more scalable. Um, And then I started a company called Machinima, um, which is a what I call consumer facing programming brand. It was basically like a cable channel on YouTube to kind of um, provide entertainment to the gamer, the gamers on YouTube right? So instead of doing, you know, MTV and music videos, we were basically doing gaming videos for gamers. Um, and that was super fascinating because we started in 2005 and really focused on YouTube. Um, and, uh, and, and that, you know, allowed us to learn everything that was going on because that was just when Google had bought them and we ran that for 13 years. Um, and so, yeah, and then I can go from there. But uh, that that's kind of my my
0: background. Amazing. So thank you for sharing that. And, you know, it's interesting to see how you combine them together, like the world of finance, as you said, with something that was more on the art. And, and uh, you know, like nowadays it's a bit more common, as I think, right? I'm pretty sure. But back in the day, it was two very different worlds, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of crazy because I, I knew I wanted to be
1: in entertainment. Um, and I remember a- after college I went to a couple of friends that you know family friends that were in the industry in different kind of careers like one was a lawyer in the entertainment business and one was um, in fine in finance right and the answer I got for if I wanted to be in the film business that there really wasn't an opportunity for me right it was it was very much like if you're not going to be a director and you're not going to be a writer and you're not going to be a producer and so on and so forth. And wh- what do you do? And to me, that was really shocking. Although I, t- I took the advice of being naive. Now, when I look back, right, you think, wait a second, every single job is available at any of these, you know, in, in any industry, right? You can do marketing and you can do, uh, you know, finance, you can do any- anything, technology, right? Um, And so I guess just my view of the world was very narrow, and I got lucky to get exposed to the fact that in the finance world, I could under, start to learn the whole process of filmmaking and then decide to just go out and take that risk of, hey, let me go out and make my own
0: films um, to really understand the, the, the opportunity. Absolutely, very interesting. We're gonna go more in detail later, you know, when it comes to people like in front of the camera, behind the camera, right? So we can also look at all the opportunities nowadays, right, for the creator economy. So very interesting when you say about like opening up your you know horizons, right, when it comes to that. Yeah. Uh, and so um let's talk about spotter, right? So, first of all, like what is it in, in an easy way, just right for people to understand. And and then we're going to go more in details about, like, you know, why you created it. But if you have just to explain it to someone that it's not even necessarily from the creator economy, what is Spotter?
1: Yeah, and explaining it that way, you know, Spotter provides capital to creators so that they can grow their, their businesses independently. Right. And on top of that, we talk about capital and knowledge. Right. So a lot of times you can have money and not really know. What's the best way to use that money to to grow your business, right? And you face all sorts of other issues as you grow your business, right? You're hiring people for the first time. You may have to fire people for the first time. You're training people. You're trying to learn from your peers, right? You're trying to understand your data. There's so many things that you're doing. So our job at Spotter is to be obsessed over the creator's growth, right? The creator's needs and deliver that both in
0: capital, money,
1: and knowledge, right? Absolutely.
0: And, uh, you know, also because nowadays, right, we don't have anymore the idea that being a content creator is a, is a hobby anymore, right? Like likely, finally, people and media and businesses are understanding that sometimes uh, you are not even just anymore by yourself, but it's just said you have a team of people with you, right? So you need... Uh, uh, you know, finance right behind that. And and likely we're now understanding that it's a full-time job, right? You're spending a lot of time into that, a lot of efforts, and sometimes you need to spend also money, right, to create your own content. So uh, that that is absolutely interesting to see that. And, and we're going to more in detail in, in a bit, but I also wanted to ask you something. Like in one of your latest interview, I saw that you said that you prefer to, like, hyper-focus, right, on one thing, right, instead of, like, offering many of them. So first of all, what is that one thing that you are now, uh, you know, started really focusing on? And also, why did you choose that one thing?
1: That's a great question. It's so core to how we built our business. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we talk about it as simplicity and focus, right? Um, and the idea there is that I really believe in emergence, right? So the idea that we can hyper-focus on something that's very simple for our customer or audience to, to understand and realize what we're doing. And the more you work on that and, and, and work with creators, you'll find new opportunities that are not complete pivots of the business, but are coming out of the, the thing that you're already doing. So I'll give you an example, right? The, the, we started off as a very transactional business, right? We would say to the creator, look, we don't want to complicate this. We're not going to ask you for your Facebook rights. Or your Roku rights, we're gonna talk about the thing you know best, which is YouTube. And we have data to show you what does it mean to have a library of content? What is that worth? Right. And we can actually prove it to you and then say you should take money and invest in yourself. Right. And that's the simple concept. And the concept was if you invest in yourself, you should make way more money than sitting around waiting for dollars to come in over years from YouTube. Right. So you should see a lot of growth. And that's what happened, right? But as we started to do that, that, creators started coming back to us more and more for more capital after they've already done a deal because they're going, I realized that when I invest in hiring editors or when I build a studio, now I can see this path of investing more and more, right? So we moved from a transactional relationship, a one-off relationship to a partnership, Right. Where we were, we've now done up to five or six deals with the create with graders over two or three years. Once we did that, we saw that they needed more data and insights. We said, wait, we have all this data and insights that's unique across their peers. Right. Well, they only really get to see what they're doing. Why can't we help them grow? Right. So now we have a division that's called community and knowledge, right, where we're trying to help them grow faster with the capital. And so that's an emerging line of our business, right? And lastly, like all of a sudden, now we're working on AI, right? Where we're helping the storytelling side of the business, which if we had started with, hey, we're going to do capital, knowledge, AI, community, it would have been impossible to be really good at all those things. But it was because we learned along the way that those things emerged as great opportunities and felt like really an evolution of the company, not a, you know, a trying to tackle five things at once. So I, I've just seen that work time and time again.
0: Got it. So mostly mastering one thing very well, becoming the experts in that, right? And then open up to maybe more. I
1: think it's a discovery,
0: right? Right. It's like, if you, uh,
1: this may be a weird example, but if you're looking at, you know, atoms and you look deeper and deeper, the atomic level, right? you you discover all these new things. Right. And here, the same thing happens. But if you tried to discover space and atoms and all that at once, you just would never land on anything. Right. Um, So, to me, it's just a a philosophy that aligns the company and lets the customer, in this case, YouTube creators, know exactly who we are. Right. And they feel part of the process too. So, when we offer things today, none of them are surprised by us adding something. Right. If we started adding banking services, that's not something they've really requested. Right. So it might be a little bit of a surprise. Right. But when we bring two creators together, like we brought um, Dude Perfect um, and a really well-known creator called Preston. They both live 20 minutes apart. We brought them to dinner together. They never met. Right. One was doing a really good job recruiting and training editors The other one was struggling with that, right? Then they got together and they started learning from each other and advanced together. And we're like, well, why are we doing this all the time? Right? That's
0: community. And so we learned through that kind of experimentation. Hey, quick break. This podcast is hosted by the influencer marketing factory. We are an influencer marketing agency that helps brands and companies engage with Gen Z and millennials on social media. We take care of influencer identification, storytelling, creativity, negotiation, contracting, campaign management, error analysis, in-depth reporting, cut boosting, and much, much more. Are you interested in learning more? You can find us at theinfluencermarketingfactory.com, or you can Google the Influencer Marketing Factory. And in addition to finding the one thing, this is something also usually that has to entrepreneurs. Was it uh, like any specific decision? Or you know, like something a pivotal like moment at the beginning of the company that was very critical to the success of what it is now your company. Oh, there there were a lot of moments that that helped define
1: that one thing. Um, I think I think the biggest. Maybe I mean, I can explain it in our history, and I think this happens a lot, right? Which is, I, I hyper focused on a platform, right? It was in YouTube, so I got to know that in a very intimate way right and i got to learn or see the changes in the platform over time so that is a little bit of the same concept of of emergence right you get to see how, what's working what's not working right what do, what do the creators need what does youtube need what are the desires right and then as transition youtube actually had a shift in their algorithms to focus more on engagement than viewership Right. So time spent watching videos, completion rate, likes, favorites, comments, not just a click equals a view and therefore you should watch it. And that shifts for forced creators to make much higher quality videos. Right. And when those videos were higher quality, they started to have much or a, a, a not an evergreen amount of type of viewership, but a predictable amount of viewership over time. And when we saw when I saw that, I said, Hey, wait a second. I've seen this before in film finance. Right. I can I if we could provide if we could figure out how to predict the viewership of a video and the re- revenue, we can help creators like we I did in film. And the key there was to your point, right? Where we say, Hey, creators, can they do even do this full time? Right? Is this a job? Is this a hobby? That transition at YouTube was. People actually, YouTube helped them transition away from a hobby towards a full-time career on YouTube, their monetization system. But that didn't mean they could hire editors. That didn't mean they can build studios. It was enough to pay the bills. And so that problem with combined with the predictability of viewership allowed us to go, hey, it's capital right, to help you grow based on something that you can't take advantage of today through traditional means. Like banks aren't going to give them loans, right? Venture capitalists aren't investing in creators because they can't go public or no one's proven that they can go public yet. Um, and so there was a need, right? Um, and and so, yeah, that that's what created that hyper-focus.
0: Talking about needs, uh, what are like nowadays the typical type of investments, right, uh, that creators uh are doing lately like, is it for as you said like better equipments for example is it hiring a team and video editors is that mostly that or is there anything else that people don't even think or they don't even know that exists when it comes to the creator economy
1: yeah it, first off we we really focus on three types of creators and then and, and when i say types it's it's kind of moments in their journey right um so we really we focus on those that have already gone full-time Right. And, and when we talk about those, a lot of those creators are by themselves. They literally have not hired any help. And, and the key there is that they don't believe they need it. Right. Or they're scared to do it. And when I say scared to do it, it it was a thing for a while on YouTube that hiring an editor was almost like a no, no, like you're not doing it all yourself. Therefore you're not authentic and so forth. Well, and they thought they were going to give up creative control. Right. And now what they needed to see was a whole bunch of other people hiring editors and the quality getting better, the storytelling getting better. Right. The more time they had to be creative. Um, and so they gained creative freedom. Um, and so it's not just, hey, I need to hire someone, it's a whole mentality shift. Right. So, yes, they have to hire people. The second type of or, Part of the, or the second point in the journey we see from there is they've hired a number of people, right? But they're not yet scaled, right? It's not like they have twenty people; they've hired two, right? Um, they they're still maybe working out of their house, right? Um, everything's remote, and they want to get more efficient, so they they will buy property, right? Or they'll invest in a studio, and they'll hire ten people. And the, the question there becomes, wow, like hiring 10 people, it's not as simple as just putting 10 people in a building and and going, right? It's like now you're a manager, right? So you went from a creative to a CEO and chief creative officer, right? And you're even calling yourself like chief creative, like that, that that's a whole new thing. And that's really hard. Um, and so we see that. As I think, what people go well, if creators just had money, wouldn't they do better, right? Like, no, not everyone is fit for that, right? Or, or they don't really love that, um, and so they have to learn. Do I hire a COO so that they can run the business and I can be spending 100 percent of my time being creative, right? Or do I really like that that role? And then last, la- the last kind of phase that we focus on are what we call like enterprise creators, right? which are looking at this and going, I know how to hire people. I figured out my role. I wanna hire double that amount. I wanna invest in studios, but I also wanna start launching multiple channels, although a lot of people have multiple channels at this point, but you know, multiple channels, foreign language channels. Um, I wanna make sure I'm on every single platform. I wanna launch a merch business. I wanna launch a product right? All these other things that diversify them, right? So I think that the ultimate goal for a lot of these creators is to have creative freedom, right? So it's almost like a, a human thing, right? Where you're going, I want freedom of choice, right? I want, I want to have, uh, you know, this capability to ex- expand myself. And then it's, how do I diversify myself outside of what I'm currently doing. And that could just be, I do more of it. I do an expanded version of it to feel a little bit safer. The other big thing that I would say that maybe people don't realize, and i am kind of been saying it already, is some people have looked at a, a check from Spotter as insurance okay, for whatever happens in the future, whether YouTube changes its algorithms or the economy crashes, whatever. And what actually happens is they all of a sudden gain the headspace to take a step back and reinvent themselves. So it's one of these, what we talk about a lot, obviously, a lot of people talk about burnout, right? And the cash allows you to focus on innovation. And a, our, we don't believe, I mean, my my belief is just through startups and, and all the things that any your audience has been focusing on, right, is that burnout is really not a time issue, right? Burnout is much more of a, are you inspired issue, right? Are you doing the same thing every day? And then it starts to feel mundane. Even if you're only doing that for eight hours, it's you can get burnout right? But when we all have something where we just discovered something and we are trying to solve the problem and so forth, our time disappears, right? And that's what this capital sometimes can do for creators. And we've seen someone, a number of creators, completely change their programming and grow 400% in a year, but never would have done that because of the risk that that could actually hurt your monthly income, right? So- it's interesting, but, you know, people are investing in also just other other uh, revenue sources. So, Airbnbs, that's that's something that a lot of creators look at. Um, they do also look at putting their money into other investments. So, in, in terms of, like, just what everyone would traditionally do, right? Do you put them in bonds, stocks, et cetera, to make sure there's just a different um, area where your money's going? But the most interesting stuff is typically... What, what we love is when they invest in the content creation process, right? that That's that's the most exciting to see. To see.
0: Absolutely. No, but it's very interesting that you said that there are so many areas, right? Again, a majority of the people still watch a video on YouTube and don't even like you know, realize all the work that is behind that, right? Oh, yeah. You said about Airbnb also, like, now I just forgot about it, but you're totally, right, sometimes you have to go to a different locations, right? You have to go there, you have to take a flight, you have to get people with you. And what about the insurance for the place and what about these and what about the media rights right and what about the license for to do these uh, do we have the okay for like you know especially for those videos that maybe are you know like a bit more you know exciting with like you know crazy things happening right you want to be sure that maybe you're okay for the people in the video you know and so on so there's so much right to to, to look into the burnout also it's, it's a big thing uh interesting also when you say about the like the insurance right the safe net for for people so um again, I, I do believe that still people only watch a video they think that it's you know an easy thing. So it takes a few minutes that that's not the
1: not at all yeah it's it's so much more intricate than that and we'll see I mean it's kind of interesting we we have this summit that we throw or put on um once a year. We did it last this January we'll do it again next January where we take a group of creators. And we literally talk, it's a, we facilitate the conversation. It's not about spotter. It's about the creators and the creators go through storytelling tactics, right? They go through editing sessions. They go through thumbnail creation. They go through managing money. They go through all these things. And what's so interesting is you realize, even when they talk about the ideation process, right? Like how difficult that is a creator I've made 800 videos what is my next video right and not feeling like you're just a machine and then that's kind of the worry around AI too right which is AI just tells you what to do and then you're just executing in it so you're feeling like what what, what was my part in that process right and so that ideation process what we have found is to be so time consuming and really critical obviously where they'll spend a week just coming up with five ideas right and that includes a thumbnail and maybe a a title and a log line right um and then just have to dive in from there but that that is a like three-person job sometimes right for a week and um it's just amazing when you dig in with creators. what what, what is really taking their time um, it's it's different than what you might think
0: you just said like no. Again, okay, content creators also should be seen like as machines, right? And 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 you know the content should be seen like you know the priority. But we are living still in a world with you know algorithms, right? And and data and metrics, right? So what are some of the metrics and data for creators that they should you know care about? What are the ones that matters? What are the ones that maybe are only vanity metrics that they even should look at? It's both
1: amazing and and concerning at the same time, right? As you as you kind of alluded to, is is that. I think what YouTube has done in terms of in terms of their algorithm is actually really really beneficial for creators, right? Which is if you think about Google, right, their algorithm was really a click based is, is a click-based algorithm. It's like, hey, I want to get my my link my link ranked as high as possible. And therefore I gotta make it so that I'm attracting audiences based on just the link in the context, right? Um and then Google measures abandonment and all sorts of other things, right? But it's a little bit of a, it's a black box. It's not easy to to manipulate. Um, YouTube is not much of a black box anymore, right? They came out and basically said, because all the traffic points in to YouTube instead of pointing out to other sites, right? They want to make it very clear of what, what is it that drives the algorithm and why does that, as that algorithm, quote unquote, good or maybe attracts audience, right? And so this shift that I mentioned before to, you know, if you were just measuring on clicks, then what creators were doing was they were putting titles and thumbnails that were misleading to what the experience you were going to get after those, right? So as extreme as the title has nothing to do with the content that you actually see, or the promise of what you were supposed to see didn't pay off in, in the content. When you move to engagement, which, like I said, is watch time, right? So the more time that people are spending on your video, the better off you're going to be in the recommendation engine. Completion rate matters. So if your video is an hour and a half long and they watch 10 minutes, that's not very good. But if you watch 10 minutes of a 10-minute video, that's, that's amazing, right? Um, so that, that balance between how can you tell a story and keep people interested um, for long enough. And by the way, there's, there are hour long videos that, that keep people interested. Um, and then actions that show that the audience is engaged, right? And those actions can be clicks. I mean, sorry, um, likes favorites, comments, right? So can you get the audience talking? I know that for example, Colin and Samir, if you haven't seen them, you should see them, right? They do interviews around the creator industry. They look at comments all the time to say, am I engaging my audience? Right, And it's really critical to them. And that helps them with ideation. Um, But also realize that YouTube values when a creator's video leads to more viewership of other people's videos. So if all of a sudden you're showing a video about a topic that makes someone really interested in, let's say, understanding space right? Or mathematics or whatever it might be. And then they dive deeper into that category because you, you drove that, uh, excitement into the, into the viewer. YouTube will reward you for that behavior, right? In the recommendation. engine, they're going to know I have every time I recommend this video, people watch 10 other mathematics videos, right? Then that's going to be highly rated. So I actually think all of that's good. The only really kind of slippery slope you get into is does it all end up being trends, right? And, you know, is is the algorithm really just driving trendy things? And so you start to fall back into this issue of, hey, I got to create similar content all the time because that's what's working. And that's where I go to, well, capital and knowledge, right? Hey, if I knew, if I'm a creator and I knew that AI was getting a lot of engagement, right? And I never do anything in AI, but I could find a way to incorporate AI into my content. Now you're developing new content, right? That is leveraging a trend, but it's making you think differently. Um, and so I think there's some benefits, but there's some, you know, obviously you get to the point where you're talking about shorts and, and that's a whole different, like, yeah, uh, quality issue. Um, but generally I would say all of it is based on engagement um, and that's what makes the algorithm both difficult because it's a hard job to to keep people engaged. That means you have to be super creative, but very clear. It's not a it's not a black box. Um, and so, yeah.
0: I remember when you said about you know that period of time where apart from all the clickbait, exactly what you said, every thumbnail was basically the same about the same topic. Like I do remember, for example, let's say a mom, like you know, family channel was doing a challenge the same week you had 5,000 videos right about the same challenge with the kind of the same title the thumbnails were basically copy paste type of thing right and and right because the, the 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 algorithm was pushing that type of content therefore if you wanted to be trending and be in the loop of the latest things you had to be creating what people liked right but then you have these effects where you are in the box as you said before right And you can't yeah, that's right and and but yeah,
1: there was a, I don't know if you've heard of, uh, Patty Galloway. Uh, Patty Galloway is a great advisor to creators. He really understands the, the analytics, um, behind creativity. And he's highlighted a video recently it was about the Dodo, the bird. Um, that was, you know, it's obviously extinct. Right. And it was a video that has been up for a long time. It was just talking about the, the bird and then it, in the news there was a article about how people were trying to bring the Dodo back. Right. Um, using its DNA and so forth. And then that video got 6 million views in like, you know, I don't know what it was, call it 30 days. Right. Out of nowhere. And you start to realize that if you can combine, you know, outside interest, a new outside interest into your creativity, that you can really break that, that, kind of hamster wheel trend issue, right? Where you've got to make a thumbnail that looks exactly like every other, every other person's thumbnail, right? And you got to fit into that algorithm that's really obsessed over that today. Um, and so there must be a bunch of other ways. I mean, just having a new article out there, um, but it is a major issue, right? I mean, you look at it and you go, well, the algorithm loves it when there are red circles around uh, a focal point on a thumbnail, right? And yeah, that does, that does work right um until you figure out what what's the next thing that's going to work one one piece of advice that i heard that was really good though is is you got to treat your title your thumbnail and your opening line as building blocks to a bigger story than as repetitive right so you're you don't want your title to when you read the title the thumbnail to just completely be a replica of what your title says it has to be additive um and if you can change those three things you'll have a much better success of keeping people engaged um and and you know Colin and Samir I'll mention them again they dive into these subjects right they they dove into the kind of cut and paste culture right uh, that's really challenging for creators
0: also because everything happens in the first seconds right i mean in short in youtube shorts even more like you yeah. yeah basically of attention and that's why every, everyone is like you know really like trying to fight for your attention but also I would say in a, typically YouTube videos like nowadays uh, with the span of attention that is called like a bit lower you want to be sure to invest my 10 20 minutes right of my time today for this specific video. so I do understand when you say you need a hook from the beginning in something that is gonna be in addition right and not just repetitive because again there are so many videos every day that people are going to choose uh, what to watch uh, in the first seconds, right? Even, if, I would say, in the in the longer form videos, right? Especially if you want to invest more time. Because something is just like, I'm going to waste five seconds of my time for a YouTube short so I can scroll it down. But what about being invested in a longer video that maybe is going to be 30 minutes or some podcast, one hour, one hour and a half, two hours, right? <laughs> right. You want to understand you're going to get the best out of it. Right. So is there anything there that you think it works? Like, is it more about maybe uh, a hook, for example, and then, you know, maybe leaving little uh, you know um, teasers here and there across like you know the episode, for example, or a vlog. Is there anything that you've so like working well? You know, yeah. What that what like usually on YouTube?
1: Yeah, I think it's actually more than just there are a few tips and tricks here. It's it's becoming becoming a student uh, for creators, becoming a student of human behavior, right? Because the one thing that breaks that trend, right of uh, Hey, I'm not I don't know whether to pick this 20 minute thing or that 20 minute thing, right? Or or breaks that that decision or forces someone into the right path is their relationship with that creator. Right. And so when the obvious, you know, Mr. Beast video comes out and he has 150 million followers or subscribers, um people really know who he is, right? And know his style and know that you know, every 10-minute video pays off. It delivers what it says it's going to deliver. And, and so they get this relationship with with Mr. Beast. Um, I think that's true with all su- the most successful creators on the platform and off the platform, right? I mean, we talk about why singers are, you know, popular. And if AI can just generate their voice and, and make a new song, why won't everyone just go listen to those? You go know, because there's a story behind Billie Eilish, right that of how she accomplished what she did has and what else she continued to accomplish so there's this like hey if you're going to connect to an audience do everything you can to develop a relationship with that audience right with, with either you or your content right where there's some emotional connection the other thing is that if you become like i said a student i'll give you two other examples um one is that we had a really amazing speaker. Um, he was a creator at the at, at Pixar. His name is Matthew Lunn and he talked about this that why were, why were all the Pixar movies so so special right There are kind of two things there. One are one is there's a formula that talks about how do you keep an audience engaged emotionally, which is about having ups and downs, right? It can't all be positive. Right And by the way, TikTok's algorithm, YouTube algorithm does this, right, which is they don't always feed you exactly what you want, right? because it gets frankly boring. So you want the brain to have dopamine hits and oxytocin down uh, troughs, and you want to do that a bunch. That's why in these Pixar movies, you it's not all happy, right? It's you know, parent died, something something bad happened, and then you come back out and then you struggle and you come back out. And when you mix that into, that formula in, and then you have this second, uh, or, or not, not just second, but another idea, which is I learned from a psychologist that beauty is really critical, right, to attracting uh, humans, right? So the, one of the examples they gave was if you have three pictures of food, a plate of food, one of them was really healthy. One of them was really tasty. Like you just like, no, it's, it's going to be good. And then you had the third, which was really beautifully displayed, right? Just, just like art, right? People tended to pick the third picture, the beautiful picture as being both more tasty and more healthy, right? So now you're talking about colors and human desire, right? And so you're mixing these things in where they have an emotional connection with you and you're using some formulaic known approaches to how human brains react. And you're using kind of imagery, right? Those three things together can all of a sudden be tricks of how to break out rather than just saying, hey, I'm going to follow a trend and do the same thing, right? Um, So there's tons of those um that are out there and this is why i think companies that develop ways to help creators go through those right will be super successful in the future versus just i'm very worried about the whole you know ai just telling everyone ideas to go do right um and it will only be based on the the text that's out there right
0: so and that that was of course I really want to ask you. You know, first of all, very interesting when you say about like you know the ups and downs and all the dopamine. I mean, like I would love to do like another episode just just about that. There is so much yeah, to right. talk about like you know human behaviors and you know behaviors of users online, the psychology that you have to put into that. Right? Again, there are so many things on a human to human side that at the end of the day, YouTube is storytelling, basically. Right? It's storytelling. It's informational. It's guess, educational. There is so much going on at the same time. But exactly as you said, it's very on the type of relationship that you can have between you and the people watching, but also you have to understand, again, psychology, I really like the idea of the ups and downs because every story from the, you know, ancient Greek type of mythology, it's basically that, right. So why change it? Right. Well, the, the, the other thing I, I didn't mention about Matthew Lund
1: was he talked about uh toy story and they were using this formula, right. And they said they knew they obviously is a billion dollar plus franchise that they had on their hands, but they knew they had to change it at some point. So even just doing ups and downs around the same story or, or type of story, right? They knew they said at some point it would get boring. So they were, even when they had to do Toy Story 2 and 3, they were already working on like, well, what else? What else? What's the change that I have to make? Because actually humans like change too, right? And and unique stories. So it, it, you do have to push yourself and say, wait a second, am I finding myself doing the same type of thing? And so what we've talked to creators about, and obviously for us, like we're creator obsessed, we wanna hear how other, the creators did it themselves. We don't, we're not the storytellers, right? Um, we hear about how did you transition from one type of thing to another type of thing? And is it slow or fast? right? All of a sudden, am I doing kids content? And then I'm aging up into a adult content? No, you're probably going kids to tweens to teens to right if you're aging up. Um, Or you're like, hey, I really wanted a because the key is, can you get the broadest audience possible? And how big can that audience be? Sometimes it's like the broadest audience you can get when you're doing barbecues to focus on barbecue, right? Like you're not going to like all of a sudden focus on five other things, right? But you may wanna go, hey, I wanna I want to lean more female I want more of a female audience or a male audience. And you go, Well what what kinds of words am I gonna use in my script, right? In the title that would attract a broader audience. Right. So are they mo is it more emotionally driven versus spectacle driven? Right. And who who would, which audience would be attracted to which?
0: Absolutely. And, you know, something that you said also before about, you know, AI, and of course, everyone is talking about it super quickly on that. But, uh, you know, I feel that, you know, generative AI uh, still gave me like sort of, it doesn't really create anything, right? It's basically taking a lot of data, right? Uh, And try to put it on different shape. So, how, like, how do you see on that? Like, should, should content creator using it more for on the optimization side, for example, editing content faster? Or do you still like believe that also on the generative side it can help and and if it does now? What is the state the state of it in let's say one year? Are we gonna have like basically all the same content if only based on let's say GPT outcome or how do you see all that happening right now and in the next future? Yeah, I mean that's a there's a lot
1: to cover there obviously right and and uh, it's, it's so exciting and scary and all the things that we all feel about it. I think it, when it comes to kind of the area that's been traditionally helped in, in content creation has been more of the processes that are related to production and Mm post-production. Right. Um, so yeah, editing tools that can help take out the pauses in your, in your speaking when you're doing a podcast or from like Descript, or whatever it might be super helpful why not use that if it's gonna i mean the the constants are that creators are always gonna want more time to do things right so anything that saves you time is gonna be useful now you have to be careful if it's like if it's literally like hey i don't even have to come up with ideas then what are you right you, you you're just a a slave to the algorithm. I, I don't know. Right. Yeah. Um, the areas where I think it's going to be really interesting is that I, I don't, I don't, I think there's going to be a proliferate, like we, right now we have a supply and demand issue. Right. The reason why TikTok is successful, right, um, for creators, individual creators, why they can gain audiences because there's a shortage of supply. Right. I mean, all of us have, I mean, I, I look at Instagram right i'm looking at reels and i'm going wait this is repetitive right um and you go on there hoping that there'll be something new and not always is it is it a version or whatever it's pretty repetitive and and sooner or later if we just let auto generated content take over it's going to be very vanilla right um and there's going to be no uniqueness there and i think that two things are really interesting when you think about well where is that going one is that i've heard others say that, that really inspired me to say, here's going to be a lot of new stuff here. Right. One is, you know, if you think about chess and I think Sam Altman said this in in an interview, right. You think about chess that has been dominated by AI for many, many years for decades. Right. But people still watch humans play chess probably more than they've ever watched. And it's because there's these flaws in humans and unpredictable nature of humans. That's really interesting. That makes the game more interesting. Right. And and if you even talk about poker, you know, I don't know if you um, you know, if you think about like where that's gone, right? Ten years ago, poker was driven by the, the winners were those that knew how to play the right hands at the right time and read body language and do all these things. And now everybody studies the mathematics of it and just makes the same moves. So it gets kind of boring. Yeah. Um, so I think this whole idea that that creators um will still be critical the personalities of the creators will still be critical and the tools that will be so helpful aren't just the process oriented tools around post production and, and pre and production but tools that also really help with pre production right ideation like what is it that doesn't come up with the idea for you but actually becomes kind of your creative partner in Pushing you to think differently because another interview was uh, that I saw with Eric Frankel, famous math uh, math, Edward Frankel, famous mathematician, was all about you know large language models having so much knowledge obviously of of what's written out there, but the difference between humans and large language models is we have these leaps of faith driven by our imaginations that really wouldn't happen on a large language model because it's based on probability, right? It's a, what's the most likely next word or the second most likely next word that would go in this sentence. Whereas imagination is where, you know, like almost like get back to your childhood imagination and that's where creators can really take take a difference. So I think the models that will help uh, amplify those differences or I think that the tools that will help amplify those differences are going to be the most create, have the most profound effects versus, Hey, I have a tool that's kind of like Adobe's tool that just does it better. And you're like, yeah, mm-hmm. y- sure. Like use it, but there'll be 300 of those or 3000 of those. And and then it's just going to be choice of like, which one do you prefer for your own liking? Right. Um, so I, I think leaps will be made in terms of storytelling. Um, and imagination, because otherwise you kind of go, I got to work with a, uh, I got to have a, like if you're writing a novel, you're like, I have to have a team of four to edit it and, and, you know, push me to think differently and so on and so forth. Whereas now maybe you, that team comes with AI. Mm-hmm. Um, but,
0: oh yeah, I, I liked a lot when you said about, you know, the flows and, you know, something very predictable. Uh, how many times mistakes actually create an innovation, right? So, right of something that is just like a little mistakes and boom something clicked in your head right so instead of just the perfect uh, you know uh, theory and graphs and charts right all the time to follow or formulas right just to get to the to the output and uh, just just in the last you know few minutes that we have left today what is then the, the future of the creative economy apart from all the AI what is happening right now what is what is missing or, or what where should we get better when it comes to creative economy.
1: I think part of it is really obvious, right? And I've said it a number of times here, right? Is the unique nature of the creator themselves connecting to their audience has to be, is critical for creators to have that relationship with their audience to expand the creator economy, right? Um, And when I'm talking about creator for right now, I'm talking, I'm not, there's so many different creative types, right? Like I'm not talking about novelists or, or, or painters, right? Right now I'm talking about, which it should include that, right? I, I, I don't, the creator economy is getting bigger and bigger. Um, I think that, that, so the belief that the individual creator really matters has to be a constant, right? Um, and I think we have to give creators more time to be creative. So tools that help that, right? So more time, I think creators need more capital, right, in general. So you're always going to want more time and more money, but, is, but that's to drive a better result, right, than just to be having houses and cars and so forth. So like if you look at the music industry, right, a lot of the capital that's provided to the musicians through their royalty financings are almost like exit strategies. Right. Like Sting sells his album at the end of his career and, you know, makes 300 million dollars and they can go off and do whatever. Right. It should be happening all throughout their career. That's one of our focuses. Right. Um, And then and then I think it's. You know, tools that ultimately, whether it be because you have money or be because you have this better connection with an audience, tools that ultimately help you with the hardest part right, which is ideation, character creation, etc., right, that, that can turn an individual into a team, right, that will really change the game. And I think we'll see some outrageously spectacular, outrageous, spectacular ideas uh, come out, like you said, like have the audacity to do something no one's ever done uh, because the system didn't predict it, but it helped you get there. It helped you spark it, right? And then most, as you know, as we all kind of experience, most of our aha moments happen when we're not th- we're not thinking about it, right? Like a, you know, a, a, it's like a leap. Um, and so I, I think that the greater economy needs to be. I it's such a big industry. I mean, and I it's so funny when people put like, oh, it's worth two hundred fifty billion dollars, right? You're like, it's worth way more than that. Right? And by the way, as 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 AI and ro- robotics and all that take the place of certain jobs, right? The creative side, the creator community is going to get become almost the most dominant industry in history. Right? Like all the children, kids now want to go into something creative. Right? They're not like, hey, I'm going to work in a, at the Tesla factory. Right? Like that, that's not. <laughs>
0: It doesn't make any sense anymore, right? So, uh, yeah. Fantastic. No, I, I, I'm I, really curious to see what is going to happen. I do agree also with you the same. It's going to be so huge. Everyone wants to do that. Every business is beca- becoming basically a media company. Creating yeah. content. Everyone is doing content. Even if you don't want, you're creating. Yeah. You got to do it. No, <laughs> so, absolutely. Aaron, thank you so much. This was a really um, a lot, as you said, like a you know, ton pack in terms of like, you know, different topics. Yeah. yeah? But I can see that uh, you know, like, uh, um, sometimes it's still just at the beginning, right? Of of what is the creator coming, like, you know, coming as, as a thing. So, um, yeah, I, I think the biggest takeaway
1: for me was like this idea of emergence, right? That creators, as they keep trying, it will emerge, right? Rather than trying to be the
0: one problem that creators have, I think, is they want to they see the end goal and they try it all at once. No, thank you for for joining us for sharing so much i can see that you are i know that you're every day you're getting updated on what is happening after the leap yeah. <laughs> so thank you for thank you for yeah, having to you read it yeah. thank, thank you so much, much. for everyone else. Yeah. Uh, the Factor by the influencer micro factory i'll see you next week